Thank you, Father, for this day, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for this church. I thank you for the time, Lord, that we've had in your presence so far. And I thank you, Lord, um, that Holy Spirit, you speak through me, guide my words this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Well, praise the Lord. You know, God really, I really love that song you picked for the last one because basically what I'm speaking on today is about surrender. So perfect. That was amazing. Um, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Um, break down the walls of all my tradition. Um, and then there was an, another next line was about our religion because it became, can become a religious thing, eh, to just stand in church and worship God and, and, it doesn't, and it's not coming from the heart. If it's not coming from the heart, then it does become a religious tradition. And so um, I'm speaking on the foundation of wisdom. And last week I started this series, and I want to do, I think I'm going to do more than just after today. But God's wisdom is far better than our own. I was talking about this last week. He sees everything in its entirety, every situation. So no matter what situation we face, he knows the past leading up to that situation. And, and not just that, but he knows every part of the past from every, every viewpoint as well, which is cool. He also knows exactly what's happening now from every viewpoint. And he also knows what the consequences will be of every decision we make in the future as well. He knows what the future holds. He's seen it already. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So he knows the end from the beginning. And Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are, my ways your, uh, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God, his wisdom and his way are far greater than, by far, than ours. And the Bible says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation or beginning of wisdom. Some, some versions say begin, the beginning of wisdom. The New Living Translation says it's the foundation of wisdom. And last week we, we looked at four different types of fear that are not the fear of the Lord. And the first one was natural fear. It's the type of fear that you might get if you uh, cross the road and there's a bus coming. It propels you to act swiftly. And so in a dangerous situation, natural fear will do that. The second type was demonic fear. So this type of fear is caused by demonic spirits. And they put uh, fearful thoughts into people's heads, like fiery darts, as it says in um, Ephesians 6. So they fire these thoughts into people's heads and their hope is that we won't realise that it's the enemy. That's what they're hoping for. They, they want us to think that it's actually our thoughts, but it's not. So um, the demonic spirit's hope is to torment. They want to torment and bring anxiety and fear and paralyse us if they possibly can. But do you know what the Bible says? It says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And the Bible says that our faith shields us from the attacks of the enemy. Our, our faith acts like a shield to all of those fiery darts. 
And perfect love casts out fear, 1 John 4.18 says. The cool thing is that Jesus delegated his authority to us. So as believers, we have the authority to command those demonic things to go. We don't have to put up with that type of um, oppression from the enemy. Mark um, 16, 17 says that he's given us, he's passed on that authority that he has, Jesus said, to us. <clears throat> we can cast out demons is one thing. And in Luke ten nineteen, it says, um, what does it say? I'm going to read it. Let's have a look. Luke ten nineteen. I know the scripture off by heart, but it's escaping my brain at the moment. It says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The previous verse says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So that's who he's talking about, the enemy. And uh, so we don't have to put up with that type of fear. The third type of fear is religious fear, and that's the type of fear that's based on rules and punishment uh, <clears throat> and it doesn't bring out in us the obedience that God desires. Isaiah 29, 13 talks about that. So God desires obedience that's freely given by us. He wants us to freely be obedient of our own free will. And the fourth type is the fear of man. So this type of fear places more importance or reverence, you could think of it as being, on what man thinks of us than on God. And that's where we're afraid of what people think of us. Proverbs 29.25 talks about that. And it can stop us being obedient to God. Fear of what people think of us can stop us from obeying the Holy Spirit. So what is the fear of the Lord then if it's not any of those types of fears? Well, the fear of the Lord is deep respect or reverence of God where we love and revere him so much that we do not want to displease him. It's a deep awe of God's power and authority. And why do we need it? That scripture I gave before is because it's a starting point of wisdom. And the Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing. That means it's first in order of importance. That's in Proverbs 4, 7. So we've got wisdom is something that we gain a degree of wisdom. We gain man's wisdom or we gain our own wisdom as we get older, and that is very helpful. Um, think, think about how much more wise you are now than when you were, say, four years old. Hey, quite a lot more wise. And perhaps for those of you who are a wee bit older, think about how wise you were when you were 20 compared to how you are now. I'm a lot more wise now than I was when I was 20 years old. In fact, I'm a bit more wise now than I was when I was 30 years old as well. And that, and that continues. But God's wisdom is far greater than that. And, you know, we can become like him. And so if we, the more time we spend in the word of God and spend time in his presence, the wiser, the, the more like him we can become. And we can rely on the Lord as well. So... And last week, the final thing I asked is, is our motivation to serve God or is it to self-serve? We were just singing about surrender. But man without God focuses on self-serving. 
But as God's children, our motive and focus should be to please our God in every area of our life. It shouldn't be to please self, that's our motivation, but to please God. So when we have the fear of the Lord or when we fear the Lord, having a deep and reverential respect, it generates in us an attitude of submission to God. So today I want to start off in Luke 9, verses 23 to 26, and I think we've got that up on the screen. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what advantage is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? It's true, isn't it? Can we take anything with us when we die? Nothing at all, eh? So, you know, it's what advantage would that to be to heap up lots of treasures on earth if we, and we can't take any of that with us? So that's what Jesus is saying is that, um, you know, our, our desire should be to be, there's a scripture that talks about lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven, um, which is far better. And there's a way we can do that but it's not by um, focusing on self. And then Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So the main thing I want to focus on out of those scriptures is what Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And if you've not heard those scriptures before, hopefully um, by the end of this message you'll understand them a little bit better. If we desire to follow Jesus, there's three things we need to do according to what Jesus said. And the first one is deny ourselves. The second one is take up our cross daily. And the third thing is follow him. But we can't do the third one unless we do the first and second one. And what does it mean to deny ourselves? What do you think it means? It means to say no. It means to say no to ourself. Uh, our, our soul and our body have a tendency for selfishness. But Jesus said we need to say no to our selfish desires and wants. So when Jesus told us to deny ourselves, well, he was telling us to say no to what I want or I feel or I think. It's an attitude shift. And what does it mean to take up our cross? That means to surrender our will and what we want. To God's will. So after we say no to what we desire and want, then we need to ask ourselves, what does God want? What does God think about this? Um, what does God's word say about this? And what is God's will in this situation? That's what taking up our cross means. And it's something that Jesus told us to do daily. So it's about surrender. It's, it's about saying making a decision to say no because, you know, we all have things we want and desire 
but sometimes they are in conflict with what God wants and desires. And so if we can learn to say no to ourselves and then check with God and make sure it lines up with God, God's not against us having a great you know, life or being blessed. But what he does want is for us to say no to things that are selfish, to things that are willfully um, in a bad way, you know, things that we choose willfully to do in our life um, that are against God. So God never asks us to do something that he isn't already willing to do. And there is an example of that with Jesus. He surrendered himself. And in Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus said, Oh, and this is before he was arrested. I'll actually turn there, Matthew 26, 39. Yeah, so he's in the garden. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. This is literally just before he was arrested. Uh, and he went to pray. And what he prayed was this, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So if he would decided to be self-centered, he wouldn't have gone on then to allow himself to be arrested and crucified. Eh? And what a huge impact that would have had on all of us. Because we're saved by grace, and that grace has come through our Lord Jesus Christ. His sacrifice on the cross is what has made it amazing for us. To All we have to do is accept Jesus. You know, God takes us as we are, he, he doesn't expect us to become some other person before we receive Jesus. We don't have to be good enough to receive Jesus. Jesus just accepts us as we are. And that's what I love about God. But, you know, Jesus, when he was in that garden, he knew he would be arrested. He knew he would be crucified and that it would be a horrible death. But he said... Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's amazing. And so God, you know, we still have those desires and wants. And God's not saying to not admit we have desires and wants. Jesus admitted he, he said, if it's possible, I'd rather not do this. Hey. But, he said, but not as I want, you, as you will. And he willingly surrendered. He trusted that doing God's will would bring the best outcome. So taking up our cross means to do what Jesus did. It means to surrender ourselves willingly and voluntarily to God. Uh, Jesus surrendered himself willingly and voluntarily. Because he, it says in one of the Gospels that he could have commanded a host of angels to, to stop him being arrested and crucified. And he could have, at just a, in a split second he could have done that. But he chose not to do it because he knew that the, the way to redeem a man and to make things right again between us and God was only, was only going to be possible through sacrificing himself as a sacrifice, and I think that's quite an amazing thing that he did.
He willingly surrendered. So in John, John 10, 17 to 18 from the Message Bible, it's, Jesus is again talking about this. He's saying, I freely lay down my life. So he knew this right from the start. He's talking about it here. And, and I'm free to take it up again. No one can take it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I receive this authority personally from my father. And do you know what? We received the authority to choose, didn't we? God made us with a free will. And so God never forces us to do anything. The amazing thing is that at, just as Jesus said here, I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to pick up my life again. What for us that means is that we have the right to decide to surrender to God or not to surrender to God. God's left that in our hands. He says in the Bible, I would like you to do this, but he's never going to force us to do it because that's not who he is. He's a God of love. He's not a God of control. He's not a God of um, forcing people to do anything. So as long as we hold on to our lives, and I'm just going to, you, you know, like when you, you clench your fist tight or if you're holding on to something tight, you kind of get like white knuckles. <laughs> so holding on to our lives and our desires, which sometimes we do do this, don't we? We're like, oh, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We won't discover the fullness of the life that God has for us. It's only when we surrender. So if we're holding on to our life and then we go, oh, I surrender, then we discover it. And it's a step of faith. You know, God says in, in his word, without faith it's impossible to please God. To, to let go of that life of ours that we're clutching to, because we're doing such a great job of our life, eh, without God. No? <laughs> I, don't think my, I don't think I did a very good job of my life before I knew God at all. But if we, if we take a step of faith, that, all that means is that we trust God. So we let go and then, it's after we let go that then we can discover. We don't discover and then say, oh good, okay, I'll let go then. Hey, we've got to let go our life and then we can discover the life that God has for us. So the fear of the Lord <clears throat> truly is the beginning of wisdom. And it is absolute wisdom to let go. And it takes faith and trust. So I'm going to give you another example, and it's about the grain of wheat that Jesus talked about in John 12. He said that a grain of wheat had to be buried in the ground and die in order to produce fruit. And these verses that he, he speaks of in John 12 are speaking of Jesus dying on the cross because if he hadn't died, there wouldn't be millions of sons and daughters of God and come into his kingdom. So he's reaping a huge harvest, which is wonderful. But they also those verses also speak of um, what it means for us if we cling to our life and are afraid to let go and let God. So I'm going to read uh, John 12, verses 
I'm focusing mainly on verses 24 and 25. Um, so from the Living Bible, verses I've got here verses 23 to 26. Um, Jesus says, I must fall and die like a kernel of wheat that falls into the furrows of the earth. Unless I die, or another way you could look at that is unless I deny myself, I will be alone, a single seed. But my death, and you could think of this as through my surrender to God's will, but my death will produce many new wheat kernels, which would be us, a plentiful harvest of new lives. If you love your life down here, you'll lose it. In other words, if you're clinging to your life here, it's not going to be that great. But if you despise your life down here, or if you're willing to let go, you'll exchange it for eternal glory. I think that sounds pretty good to me. And from the message translation, it says, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. That's true, isn't it? If we have a seed, if you're a gardener, if you've got a seed and you don't plant it, it's just going to stay that seed. But once you plant it in the ground, it's going to germinate and grow and become really large and then produce a huge harvest of, of more seeds, which is, which is fabulous. So it says if, it's, if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. And then Jesus says, if any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. So he's talking about that scripture in, that I've referred to before about, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So it gives a visual picture of what happens when we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. It gives a visual picture of what it means to be willing to let go of our own life in order to discover the life God has for us. When we willingly give up our wisdom, when we willingly give up our strength, when we willingly give up our will to do as we please and to satisfy our selfish desires and stop, stop trying to be self-sufficient, that is the moment when we die to self. But Jesus said it's something we need to do every day. That's because our tendency is always to think of self, not of God. So if we, if, in, if we instead choose to hold on to our lives, unwilling to let go, we're going to be unproductive and isolated, really. So what we need to do is learn to surrender to God or yield to God. And what does it mean to surrender? It means to, 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 it means to stop fighting against, to stop trying to control something. So to yield or surrender to God means to stop fighting against what God wants for our life. Why would we do that? I know I've done it. I know I have done it. I'm not trying to say I've never done it myself, because I have. Oh. 
But having done that and having also surrendered, I know that the surrender way is way better. <laughs> so surrendering means to give up control of our life and hand that control over to God. James 4, 7, I'll actually read verses 6 and 7. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit or surrender to God. I don't want God resisting me because I'm proud. I'd rather, much rather be humble because I, I would much rather be... Um, I would much rather be surrendering. And so why does he give grace to the humble? It's because they're surrendered or submitted to God. And hum humility is all about not considering yourself better than others. It's not being proud. It's kind of like the, op it's the opposite of proud. So if we want to receive God's grace, we've got to humble ourselves before God and men. And we've all faced situations where the solution or resolution of a conflict is to humble ourselves. Has anyone had to eat humble pie, as the saying goes? I've done that lots of times. And I've also, I've also resisted doing that too. And it actually ends up becoming like a horrible thing inside you uh, that you need to then really, it takes a long time to get over that. So the better way is to get rid of things quick. I remember my father used to say, keep a short account with God, you know. So in other words, deal with things quickly. Um, so our humility opens up the way for God to move in our life. And in my own life, there's been lots of times um, that I've said something selfishly or rude or um, something that was out of turn. And, but the Holy Spirit, and I'm really grateful to the Holy Spirit, he's pricked my heart afterwards. Sometimes I hear him straight away. And other times I don't because I'm too angry. But the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit hasn't been trying to prick my heart the whole time. It's just meant that my heart's been full of anger and hardened. And so... Um, you know, it's, and, and I've known that what I've said wasn't wise or wasn't spoken out of love, but it was spoken out of anger or hurt. And, you know, speaking, it says in the Bible, speak the truth in love, because we can sometimes speak the truth, but if it's not spoken out of love, then it becomes more like a dagger than something that's going to help that person. And I, you know, I know, I admit I've done that before. Is anyone else or is it just me? <laughs> and sometimes it's been easy to humble myself and apologise and other times it's been really hard because I've felt like I'm not the one at fault as well. But sometimes we just need to, to, to do what we can. What the other person chooses to do is up to them. But at least this way, it's going to release us. And that's the same with forgiveness. When we apologize, or sorry, when we ask God to forgive us, we're not, or, or um, yeah, when we, when we ask for forgiveness, we're doing it because it helps. It actually helps us a, a lot. 
we're not doing it to make God feel better or to make someone else feel better. We're doing it because it actually helps us. And I have had times where I've mulled over my hurt and licked my wounds. I've, I've tried to get, I've got a lot better at this as I've got older, but I'm still not perfect. And, uh, but you know, when, when I feel angry or hurt, I also feel miserable at the same time. Can anyone relate to that? Yeah, and the reason why is because I'm holding on to a, a, an offence or, or some unforgiveness that I know the Holy Spirit's gently nudging me to release. And I tell you what, the moment that I've decided to humble myself and surrender to the will of God, and, and surrender <coughs> doesn't necessarily just have to happen when you're in praise and worship. Surrender should be a daily thing. It's something you're doing all the time. But when we do, and part of surrender is doing the word of God, and the word of God, one of the things it says in here is to forgive. And when I do that, I feel a massive release. I feel so much better. And so I'm going to finish the message today by talking about, or giving you a Bible example of someone who did resist surrendering to God, and when he finally did, he got really angry with God that things didn't end up the way he expected. Can anyone guess who I'm talking about, except for the people who are at 9 a.m.? It was Jonah. <laughs> so I'm going to go there now, and I'm going to read it, some of it to you. It won't be on the screen. It's just going to be read. But Jonah's just a really short book, four chapters, and... Uh, it says here in chapter 1, verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up against me. So God was really, their wickedness had come up against him, and God was going to do something about it. But he was sending Jonah to preach to them and see if they would repent. But do you know what Jonah did? Verse 3, he arose and fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. In other words, he didn't want to do it. But in verse 4, he, so what he did was he got on a ship. He, had, he paid the fare. He got on a ship, went down into the ship, and was planning to go to the southern city. Verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. <laughs> Verse 5, then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. So it must have been a really bad storm, and they threw all the cargo overboard to try and lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. And the captain came to him and said, what are you doing, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. In other words, get up. What are you doing sleeping? Maybe your God will, will you know, help us out of this. And then they said, let us cast lots in verse 7, and we'll just see whether we can find out why this has happened 
and <laughs> they did that, and it says the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> and then they went to him and they said, what on earth have you done? I'm sort of paraphrasing a wee bit here. What on earth, what do you actually do for a job? What's your occupation? Like, what are, they're trying to find out what on earth Jonah has done to cause this massive storm. And Jonah replied in verse 9, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And verse 10, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? And it was interesting. When I was reading verse 9, when he said, I, have, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, but then I'm thinking, but why have you just run away <laughs> if you fear the Lord? <laughs> and they said, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. I don't, they didn't actually want to do that initially. They were trying to row hard to bring the ship to land, but they couldn't. And it says that the storm was getting worse and they were, they were crying out. It says they cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, we pray, O oh Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O oh Lord, have done as, you, as it pleased you. And so, they put, so what they did was they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. And then this is amazing really, isn't it? That even despite what Jonah had done, it really had a big effect on the people on that ship because it says then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared, prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed. Okay, so Jonah didn't even pray for three whole days and nights inside the belly of the whale. Is that stubborn? <laughs> it's a bit stubborn. <laughs> and uh, he said, I cried out to the Lord, and, and so then he's going, you cast me into the deep and the hardest seas, and then, and then at verse 4, I've been cast out of your sight, and verse 5, the waters encompassed me. And then verse 6, I went to the moorings of the mountain. And so he's just praying and praying and praying. And verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. It took him a while. And my prayer went up to you in your holy temple. We're laughing at this, eh? But it's true, though, eh? Sometimes we're so stubborn that we just insist on having a hard time because we want to do our own thing. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. And verse 9, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving and pay what I have vowed. Verse 10, so finally after he prayed and repented, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And, and so then he did exactly what God told him. He could, have, he could have actually missed that entire thing, that whole storm, the, 
the terrible time on the boat, the three days in the belly of the whale. He could have avoided all of that if he'd just said yes at the start and surrendered to God. So it says that he, he preached, and then in verse 5 of chapter 3, the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And so, verse 10, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Yeah. But do you know what Jonah did? He got annoyed about that. He wanted God to destroy them. (laughs) He is quite stubborn, isn't he? It says, verse 1, chapter 4, That displeased Jonah exceedingly, (laughs) and he became angry. And so then he was having a little bit of a pity party. But the purpose of what I... I wanted to show you that example because we do this. We've done that type of thing. It might not be quite so dramatic as actually being swallowed by a whale and being spewed back up again after we repent. But, you know, God knows the best way. It says right in the Bible, Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your ways. Um, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he does know the best way. And so the, the wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord would have meant that Jonah surrendered straight away, but he didn't, and that was the result of that. And so if we can, um, if we can be wise then we, and surrender to God, be willing to deny ourselves and surrender to God, then it's such a better way. And so um, I, I'll stop there because I'm going to keep going with this in a few weeks, but... Uh, Praise the Lord. I want to give an opportunity for people to, uh, first of all, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who doesn't know Jesus. And there are people in here that don't know Jesus. But do you know what? Jesus died on the cross to save us from that type of thing, actually. Um, Yes, when we, you know, Jesus... Every person that's been born has what we call a a nature of sin. That just means that we all have done things that aren't the right things to do. And, And what that means is that it's forced a separation between us and God. And God knew this from the beginning, and that's why he set in place a plan to send Jesus to come because our sin is what keeps us separate from God. But the amazing thing is that Jesus, he's got, he is God. It says that Jesus is the word. Um, he was there at the foundation of the world, the Bible says. He is truth. But he came, he chose to come as a man, live a sinless life, and then be sacrificed on the cross. Now, that might seem like um, nothing important, but it was really important because the only way that we could all be redeemed or brought back is if we 
if, if there was a sacrifice that covered our sin and the only person that could do that was a person that had never sinned. And that's why God had to come, because every person had sinned, except Jesus. And when he died on the cross, it meant that we were set free. We were brought back. We were made right again with God. And uh, so I want to give an opportunity for anybody that doesn't know Jesus to, to make that choice. All you have to do is say a short prayer. Um, so is there anyone that would like to do that today? Just put your hand up real brief. Awesome, I see your hand. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to say a prayer of salvation. So I want everyone to say this, not just that one person. Um, so Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know I've done things that are wrong. But because of what Jesus did, I've been made right with you. From this point on, I'm now a child of God. Jesus, I choose to make you my Lord and Saviour. Amen. Wow, that's so cool. Um, for that person that put their hand up, we've got something to give you, and, um, and I'd like to pray for you too, actually. That would be really cool. If, you, if, you, if, you're, um, if you'd like to come up and get prayer, that would be fabulous. But I want to open it up to anybody that wants any kind of prayer. Um, if you want prayer for if there's anything that God's been speaking to you today about, then um, come, and, come and pray and one of the leaders will pray with you. Um, otherwise, um, we pray, God, that you'd have a really blessed, blessed and prosperous week. God wants you blessed. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll invite people to come up for prayer. Let's just keep a, let's just keep a really good atmosphere of, of honour to God while we're doing this, and yeah, sure. Thank you, Dawn.